opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Hey there, KUCI. You're listening to Tech Talk here at KUCI 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Uh, this is with Shane Burke and Kumar, me, Kumar, and I'm here with Shane. Hello. Uh, the creator of the show. Um, so, yeah, uh, today we have interesting topics on hand. Um, let's have, well, we're going to be focusing on internet. But slightly different the internet we've focused on in the past. Um, today we're going through, uh, we're talking about phones, internet on phones. Uh, recent, not recent, but within the last couple of years, starting starting uh, with yes. the iPhone. But, but slightly different the from the internet we've focused on in the past. Um, today we're going through, uh, we're going to be talking about phones, internet on phones. Uh, recent, not recent, but within the last couple of years, starting with not starting with the iPhone, but with the iPhone, we're seeing this boom in internet-based uh, applications coming to uh, mobile phones. So yep. got that absolutely. And we're also going to be talking about um, internet on your TV. So you know, the crux of the show, I guess, is basically internet on things other than your computer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's really going to be some crazy stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, so. Let's begin. Uh, first of all, if we're going to be talking about what uh, phones can do, uh, let's go with phones. Start with that. I mean, we have the iPhone. Yes, absolutely. iPhone. Um, for those of you who have played with smartphones, or uh, define the define smartphone, I should say. So, a smartphone is actually. Is there like a strict definition of a smartphone that you know of, or? Um, not that I'm aware of. I believe that really the only thing that sets a smartphone apart from a regular phone is that it has the capa- uh, capability to do email and surf the web. I think those are the two things that set a phone apart. Right. Because SMS is pretty much pretty basic and has been around for, I think, since like 2000. So you know, pretty Yeah. It's been around for a while. So SMS is kind of not smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, um, let's see. So, a smartphone is a phone that can do email, uh, what was it? Email, internet, web browsing. Yes, um, and I think that's about it. But we've seen now with things like the iPhone, which we're going to talk about, a lot of applications now. And I don't know, is that considered part of the smartphone now? Has has the definition evolved, possibly? I, I, th- I, I think rather than evolved, they're no longer... I mean, it's still smartphones, but I think when a uh, when a person refers to a smartphone, they're usually referring to a BlackBerry. Sure, or an iPhone, or an iPhone, or we're going to be talking about a Droid. A Droid, yes. Um, so rather than change, I think it's just become more commonplace. Because mm-hmm. I remember the first time I got a smartphone, it was when my I, I needed something with a little bit more capability. So I got a Nokia smartphone, and I remember it was a lot more expensive than all the other ones, but I also remember it had more features. It could not just do internet browsing. It had a built-in Google Maps, so I could do uh, maps. It had a GPS built-in. It had, uh, I could do, uh, at the time I was still doing computer science stuff, so I could play with doing, like, server stuff, uh, SSH stuff, uh, Telnet stuff. 
Explain what SSH and Telnet are in case people are listening and have never heard those terms. Um, okay, SSH is a secure shell hosting. Yeah, secure shell hosting. I think, I want to say, I don't know. If I, I think that sounds about right. Um, secure shell hosting. And basically, if you want to log on to your computer slash server, uh, you can use an SSH program to log into your computer from a distance. It's remote logging, basically. You can connect to your computer from technically anywhere as long as you have a login system set up. I remember during one of my ICS classes with, uh, I can't remember which professor it was now. It wasn't Thornton, wasn't... Um, well, somebody here at UCS. Yeah, somebody here at UCS. <laughs> Pattis, <laughs> Professor Pattis. Uh, he's one of the newer ICS professors. I remember he would update his... Uh, website when he saw typos and he just do it through a SSH program called Putty. Huh. And Putty works on smartphones. So technically you can update everything through your smartphone. Um, so SSH and Telnet is older. I, I don't think anyone uses Telnet anymore unless you're doing router configurations. Um, but Telnet is like SSH. It's a way for you to tell net in. I think all computers still have it. Mm-hmm. Some form of Telnet, but it was a way that you could... It, it's basically a mini virtual dial-up modem on your computer. Uh you can dial out to a server using Telnet, um, but you don't necessarily have to dial out to a phone number. You could dial out to a IP address. And I remember in the Cisco classes that I've taken, you'd use Telnet to hit a... Yeah. So um, you mentioned something, um, you know, with your ICS class. I actually just wanted to kind of bring up a tangent. Um, I... uh, actually just sat in on a um, ICS class, and was the professor's name Pattis or Patterson? I think Pattis. Patterson's a different one. Yeah. See, I sat in with Patterson, and it was all about, like, Google, basically, and information retrieval, and it was really cool, Um, but it was a small class, and I I wasn't enrolled in the class, so I didn't go after the first week, but it was really interesting. I wish I could have stayed in it. Yeah. Just looked up SSH for those of you who wanted something slightly more specific. Uh, The definition specifically is a network protocol that allows data to be exchanged using a secure channel, secure, uh, between two networked devices. Um, Yeah, so it's... So what what does it stand for again? Is it... Yeah, it is secure shell... um, It's the H. Yeah, I think the H comes from the shell because it's just secure shell. Oh, okay. And... I was thinking it was hosting, but is it so? Is it like a lowercase H then? No, it's a lowercase seen, H. Yeah, I've always seen S H H. That's really strange. Um, I I think with S H, it's kind of like I, I don't know if it's uh, related to you know, when you hit a site and it'll change from HTTP, which is Hypertext Transfer Protocol, yeah. to HTTPS. No, I think it's more of an upload thing. Yeah, I think I think so <clears throat> uh, because that's SSL Secure Socket. Ah, there we go. God, that why why would you make that so similar? <laughs> because it's that's always the thing with technology. It's always they always have um, all kinds of acronyms, and it gets really confusing. Like when I was taking my um, database warehousing class over in the school of business, um, it was about kind of a little bit about data mining, I guess, which is a topic that we've been talking about earlier off the air. Um, anyway, uh, there's so many different names and acronyms for you know all these different things that it gets so confusing, but uh, that's a tangent, so I apologize for wasting your time with that. No, 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 that's fine. Uh, oftentimes our tangents end up with the more interesting conversations Well, yeah, we that's have. true, I guess. Um, but, okay, so we were talking about smartphones. Yes. 
get ourselves okay where were we smartphones um so now so you were telling us about your evolution and you getting smartphones. Yeah. So I had a Nokia. It was the N95. It was yep. a fairly new in the Nokia series. Got one of the toughest phones I've ever owned. I dropped that thing like off a flight of stairs and it just bounced and it was fine. So it's one of those kid-proof ones. Yeah. It one was, that you should get for kids. Actually, I think Nokia is just one of those brands where, I mean, they, their market share has suffered tremendously, but they make some tough phones. <laughs> like I remember my buddy, that old Nokia brick. Oh, is that the one that's kind of slightly rounded? Yeah, slightly rounded, but yeah. it's like a, an inch and a half thick, and we used to play hacky sack with it. Oh, my gosh. And it was fine. <laughs> that thing was made of solid... I mean, it, it didn't break until someone dropped it in a pool. Uh, water, the ever-present. Well, yeah. yeah, water will do it. Um, I think... I think I've only had dreams of dropping phones in toilets. Yeah, but I've, I've, ne- I've never done it. I've almost... Like, I feel like I have, but I don't. I honestly don't think I ever have. It must have been a dream. Because it's one of those things like you see in slow motion. You're like, oh, no, I hope this never happens. Yeah. So, well, I, I always have to worry because, like, you know, you have it in your pant pocket. And if you're not paying attention, it's woo. And then yeah. you're screwed. Yeah. Um, and so, I moved on to a smartphone. I used it primarily for web browsing. Uh, at the time, you couldn't really do YouTube uh, it was a bit too intensive, well, at least on the N95, but it had camera features, it had some interesting internet features, it had applications, and I used it for Google Maps, and it was a nice phone, but the iPhone at the time had come out already for some time, and my roommate had gotten the iPhone, because he did a lot of programming, and he liked doing a lot of web development, mm-hmm. and he used his iPhone for SSH. Uh, he'd, he'd log into his website when he needed to change something or update something and you know type in some code, and off it would go. Um, and that's still on the business end of a smartphone. Uh, my dad uses a smartphone. He uses a smartphone for emails and not answering his phone. Um, <laughs> his voicemail has been full for about 10 years now. I don't think he's ever... <laughs> I think he forgot the password 10 years ago, and no one ever bothered wow. to figure it out for him. Do they um, delete messages? Like, if you go in now, would your messages be just all the messages, or does it just fill up? And so... I don't know. I've never let my voicemail fill up because that little icon never goes away. What icon? Uh, when you have a voicemail, you know you've got that weird. It looks like a tape. Oh, okay. So yeah. if you don't get, if you don't delete everything, even if you listen to everything, I think it's still there. Huh. So I just, I just empty out my voice mo- voicemail periodically. That's smart. Um, I rarely listen to them though because I usually just call people back and ask them what they needed. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, iPhone. Yes. But what, what the... Your, I, your uh, roommate had the iPhone. Yeah. So he actually still also, still using it for the business end of things. Uh, but what the iPhone did with the uh, with the uh, smartphone market is it also said, well, why don't we let... Why don't we do other stuff as well? Why don't we... Because we have the internet. We have... The Apple OS was built to allow for applications. Mm-hmm. So, app, it was, it, and in fact, the iPhone, that's what it's built around is applications. It, the iPhone can't do anything without applications. Mm-hmm. You get rid of all the applications, it's just a phone. Um, so I said, well, why don't we open this up a little bit? Mind you, this is Apple. They didn't open it up all the way, but they opened it up and said, okay, well, wh- what do you want to add? And, you know, one of the things that popped out of that was games. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- a video lot of games. A lot of games. Video streaming, games, uh, productivity apps, calculators, calendars, uh, reminder apps, pictures of cats on your cell phone. I mean, <laughs> pictures of cats. I, I think if we follow, 
if we follow that particular, I mean, that could be a show in itself, the evolution of cats on the internet. I, sure, yeah. Or maybe the evolution of internets after cats, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use a smartphone just out of curiosity? I, I don't have a smartphone. Keeping I, I don't even, my cam, my phone doesn't even have a camera. I, I find Which like, is complete, it's weird, right? Because, you know, I'm pretty techie, but, um, one of these days, I'm getting an iPhone. I'm waiting for my contract to expire. I mean, even so. with this one, I picked up a Samsung i900, the Omnia series, after my Nokia b- broke down on me. And even now, I'm using it, and I'm using it, and I'm thinking about it, and I realize, I really don't need a smartphone. It's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. I think I'd be addicted to email, because I, I check email when I'm at home and at my computer. I have my email open, and so when I get an email, I know about it immediately, and I can respond. Um the f- problem is I'm gone a lot. You know, I'm only home, you know, for a couple hours, <laughs> and then I'm asleep or doing homework or whatever. Um, so for me, having a smartphone would be very useful. Yeah, I mean, even I, if I did get a new smartphone, I think within the next year or two, I'm probably going to have to. I know, or either have to or hack this one out, and that's something totally different. But this, this whole idea of using a smartphone for more than just business productivity has exploded. Mm-hmm. With Apple, uh, Windows really didn't do a good job of that. Windows 6.5. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, there's a lot of smartphones out there. There's RIM with the BlackBerry series smartphones. You have Apple with the Apple OS smartphones. Uh, Nokia has their Symbian OS. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually, I think, at the time, Symbian was the only uh, open source uh, mobile... OS. Oh, there was. Okay. Because Symbian's completely open source, and it's a fantastic OS. It's just in terms of applications, there's just not much. Yeah. There really isn't much development on it, and I don't know why. Hmm. Or at least nothing that what I was looking for. I would always constantly be looking for stuff that I could use, and I just there's a lot of there's a lot of networking stuff on the Symbian OS, but beyond that, I I don't need ten different kinds of tunneling uh, applications. I just need one that works. Yeah. They were all free though. Well, that's the nice thing about open source. Mm, very much so. Um, so, yeah, you had those. those, And there were some other smartphones. I think HTC. Uh, you don't hear that. You've only heard H- about HTC recently. I think with the droid phones, they're all HTC. Uh, um, and I think the T-Mobile G1 was an HTC phone as well. Hmm. But that's a recent. I think they've been mostly a Euro phone. It's only been recently that they've come to the U.S. And if we talk about the European phone market, that's a totally different monster. <laughs> it's incredible. Really? We're so behind. Wow. The U.S. is at least a year to a year and a half behind any kind of phone technology. Well, that's where texting started. Um, again, I don't remember when it was, but some Swedish guys, I want to say, just found out how to text and then it kind of exploded. It's a really interesting story, actually, how texting came about. We should look into that. Yeah, I think so. I do know that Google is extremely, extremely influential in Europe, though, much more so than in the United States. Um, because so, just because of the way the networks are, um, Google basically controls how people get on the internet, and it's very interesting. Um, uh, so I'm just writing right now about texting here because mm-hmm. that actually sounds like a great topic to do for a show. Yeah, maybe it was just 3G. I feel like those, like they have better, or in general, I've heard that the like Europe or England in general, those areas in general, have better wireless. That may be the case because there's so many different countries that I I, I don't think I think the plans are different too, right? Yeah, because yeah. 
there's so, you're so close to so many different countries that if you cross borders, then you'd be paying a ton in roaming or, or whatever. I imagine so. My yeah. God. I, so I, I'm, I'm assuming that the plans are much more um, friendly to travel, um, which is nice. But, you know, the United States is a big place, so we have a lot of cool places to go to here yeah. without leaving the country. <laughs> but um, there's definitely a lot of stories about people, you know, taking their iPhones abroad you know, to Europe and getting tanked. They they get turned on somehow. I think I saw this on ABC News. Um, like the you have to specifically turn off s- some sort of locator, and if you don't turn it off and it accesses your email or something, then you're, you're downloading toast. all that stuff, and it you know you, <laughs> you get a very expensive cell phone bill. Because yeah, I think people don't realize AT and T. The companies that we have here all have companies, brother or sister, technically sister companies, in other countries. Yeah. Like T-Mobile has, there is T-Mobile in Europe. If I go mm-hmm. to England, I can technically jump onto their T-Mobile service. It's technically under roaming. Yeah. Uh, and T-Mobile, I think if I go to Malaysia, they have a sister, they have a partnership down there too. It's a little expensive, but it can be done. Data is different. Data is always expensive. And when you're roaming with data, you just get these huge, you, you always hear these store storage. Man yeah. comes home with $1,000 in uh, cell phone data charges and... Just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Have you ever had a really crazy phone bill before? Thank God. Um, yes. Really? Once. How um, big was it? Um, I think it was several, like uh, 200 $250 because my sister and I and my mother all text. Yeah. And we didn't have an unlimited texting plan. And my dad, he, he upgraded our text and he said, oh, it should be fine. The thing is, it, because of where we were living, we were on campus. Um, At UCI? Yeah. Uh, oh. Reception sucks for T-Mobile. It's got the worst reception on the face of the planet. VDCN, where both I and my friends and my girlfriend stayed, if you were indoors, there was no reception. If you were outdoors, there was no reception. If you were driving around, there was no reception. Yeah. So texting worked better. And all of a sudden, my dad got a bill, and he just flipped out. <laughs> and he's like, what is this? And we was like, we warned you. We text like mad. It yeah. happens. So we eventually got unlimited texting. Definitely, I have a horror story with that. And I, I think I saw that on... Uh, you know, just kind of people. That'd be an interesting segment, I think, in and of itself. Have you ever had an obscene cell phone bill? I, because I, a new a poll came out. That's what I'm thinking of. <clears throat> to ask people about that, and I can't remember the exact number, but a lot of people felt that they had received one of those very shocking bills. And it happens, I guess, um, as new technologies come about, and when it's kind of. Uh, something, especially like texting, that's already kind of native to any phone, um, that possibility yeah. arises. But I think it also recently texting, is, it's now it's like an unlimited texting plan doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a moot point, which is in itself an interesting evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not talking about texting data. <laughs> data plans, internet. Um, so yeah, more and more we were starting to see people accessing the internet through their smartphones. And at first, I didn't really understand it because I thought to myself, well, really, what are you using your iPhone for? You just want to play games. You don't need the Internet for that. Connect it to your computer. Upload them. But, no, people were getting these expensive data plans, paying like 90 bucks a month to play, like, Storm the Castle three and a half for hours a day. <laughs> um, but now we're actually starting to see some really incredible uses of the Internet on mobile phones. <laughs> uh, I'm going to play a quick advertisement from Verizon. I'm sure everyone's heard of the Droid. Yes. The Verizon Droid, the Droid series. It's the uh, Android OS. It's a Google It's a Google OS, Google's new mobile phone OS. 
Mm-hmm. Remember what I said before? We have the uh, Windows, Windows 6.1, 6.5 mobile, Apple OS, uh, Symbian OS, and now Verizon throws their own OS. Um, Android, it's open source. It's built on the open handset, which basically means you're not supposed to do anything with it. That's already been broken. I think T-Mobile and some of the other companies have in, in implemented some very strict uh, hardware requirements and software requirements. And I think T-Mobile actually, I think it was T-Mobile where they put a chip where if you alter your hardware, it'll restore it for you hmm. back to its original h- default settings. Interesting. Yeah, it, people are pretty pissed off about that. Um, and there's n- really nothing Google can do because it's the, the wireless manufacturers. You know, they're going to do what, I wa- what they want to do. So, yeah, I'm going to play a quick commercial for you guys. Uh, from Droid, just just to highlight on some of the things that they're talking about. So let's see if I can get this to work. Droid. You know, video content, we're beginning to access images and plain text and all that stuff. Um, and it's, you know, consumers are kind of having an expectation now that you be able to integrate the Internet with almost every facet of your old life, you know, the the pre-1990s um, life, you know, television and, and phone now, VoIP, and all those sorts of things. So it's it's very interesting to see the change and the evolution, and, um, you know, it's, it's very exciting, you know, it, but it does make you wonder what are the limitations of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, recently that whole – I think we talked about this a, a couple of shows ago. With Google and Verizon came to not a deal, but they discussed um, how to deal with net neutrality. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things Verizon said is, look, let us, let us at least mess with our own wireless networks. And the reason they were saying this – and I talked to Professor Jordan about this. He was the professor I did my article on ages past. There's not a lot you can do with that very small wireless spectrum. The wireless spectrum is so closely looked at. There's so f- there's not a lot of space there for anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just recently opened up some of the white space, I guess. Um, the stuff that they used to use for analog TV, I think, yeah. is what they are using. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, it's this constant game of trying to get stuff. I know that at the uh, student center when I work, where I work, uh, we were talking about this briefly. Um, the radios on campus, even, um, they all require their own little band. So, th- you know, you have to be careful on how many radios you have. And You're I talking about handheld, like handheld. walkie-talkie stuff? Yeah. yeah. Like, I know the radio I have, I can access this massive spectrum of frequencies, mm-hmm. um, or, uh, the, the one I use at work. So, or even with a ham radio, if you can get your hands on one of those old monsters, you can just, you know, twiddle the dial and see what you can grab. Could uh-huh. be listening to... Air Force One. By accident, yeah, you know, right? <laughs> I'm sure that's encrypted. <laughs> I hope. I would hope so. It is, yeah. Um, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be so bad. Maybe um, the air traffic control, though. Yeah, that I can imagine you'd be able to listen yeah. into. I don't think you'd be able to tap in and respond, though. No. That'd be a bit difficult. Yeah. God, I keep losing my train of thought. We were talking about Verizon, Droid does, Internet, what the Internet can do. Yeah. Um, and what it can't do. Can't do. Um we saw what happened with AT&T. Their data network crashed mm-hmm. uh, for all intents and purposes. Like, did, I, I know you said you don't have a, a smartphone, but did you know anyone who had a, issues with this? I can't say I do. I mean, it's very odd that I don't... I don't even know if I... I have one person that I don't really talk to very often anymore. One, somebody that 
I was good friends with when I was taking classes here at UCI, um, but now she's kind of working, and, and uh, she had an iPhone, um, but that's the only person I can think of that had an iPhone. Now I think I know a lot more people that have iPhones. My brother has an iPhone, actually, <laughs> but I didn't talk to my brother about that. I think he might have gotten it after that happened. Yeah, but AT&T, they had a bunch of data. Drop calls, you know, not and not just drop calls. Well, that's a big problem with AT&T, yeah. I've heard. Dropped everything. Um, and the issue being is AT&T has a very wide network. They've got excellent network coverage, but when they when people were like, oh, why don't we try watching video over the iPhone? Uh, for those of you who don't have a good conceptual drawing of how the Internet works in terms of the actual thoroughput, um, think of it like a pipe that you run water through. Um, it starts out with a really big pipe, and then the pipe gets smaller and smaller as it goes wherever it needs to go. Well, if you try to run too much water through the pipe, what happens? Well, you can't. Uh, it doesn't go any faster than the pipe allows. And if you put too much through, you break the pipe. The Internet technically works in the same way. Um, you know, pipes have valves. Those valves are routers. You push too much information through a router, and it can break. It can just stall out. This is why uh, DDoS works. A DDoS attack, a denial-of-service Service. attack, um, in which a, usually you use a botnet, and you just ping a site endlessly, and you ping them with millions of computers, and they just can't handle all of that information coming in, this happens to websites, and they'll just go down. So a botnet is something that you download on your computer, right? God, I, I have no experience with using botnets personally. Um, technically, it's criminal, sure. I think. Well, y- y- yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, that's, basically, all, that, that's actually all your... Um, yeah, so basically a... Um, one one possible way to do a denial of service attack is to install something on somebody's computer, right? And then at some date, all of the computers that that thing is ex- installed on will all of a sudden go um, and attack a website, for example. So Amazon had this happen once. Um, and uh, so, yeah, just to fill that in. Yeah. Well, it, botnets, in, it's a little bit off topic, but a botnet in general, have you had experience with that working with Mm-mm. the security stuff? No. We should get someone in to talk about that. Sure. Well, explain what a botnet is. Um, a botnet is basically um, when your computer is infected with a virus. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most common one we can think of is, oh, it, it gets into your contact list and emails everyone in your contact, so it spreads out. Mm-hmm. A botnet works the same way. Um, there's something on your computer where a remote... Remember what we were talking about SSH, the secure shell? Yep. A hacker... In fact, it, uh, people sell... These bot, these infected computers, they're called zombies, because the the owner doesn't know that they can be used for something else. They just wake up and start being used. Um, I actually think a computer has to be on for that to work. But essentially, you have this person, and he's got a list of IP addresses, and he'll select the IP addresses. He'll pick a site and hit attack, and all those computers will wake up, <laughs> and they will open up a DOS prompt, and they will ping. And the site goes down. Hmm. Um, cool. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of I botnets. Mean, not good to do. Not no. It's I don't really encourage anyone to do this if you know how to do it. It's beyond criminal. You can get into so much trouble for this. Yeah. Um, but there's some very big botnets. In fact, some of the big viruses out th- or some of the big uh, yeah big viruses out there, including um, 
I can't remember, but like the top three Trojans in the world are botnet bot- Trojans. Um, they're just huge multi-million, billions of computers that are just infected. My roommate, the same one with the iPhone, his computer was infected and OIT shut him down. Really? They said, we're detecting that your computer is sending out spam and could possibly be part of a botnet. You need to clean up your computer. And he had to reformat and do everything and clean it all up. Wow. And then he got back on and it was fine. But he was infected with the botnet and he didn't even know it. Was it, was that, um, what kind of computer was it? It was an Alienware. Hmm. Um, I think he just picked up something while he was, because he, he was always looking for interesting programs. And I think he just must have picked up something bad. Yeah. And it was a backdoor. It, it, his computer was fine and then... But he didn't detect anything. No. Wow. A lot of these vectors, and we can do a thing about this, viruses are built to take down antiviruses. Yeah. And they, honestly, Norton and McAfee are not the best solutions to antivirus. I, I just, they get taken down so easily. Most of the computers I've fixed with spiral problems are ones that Norton and McAfee failed. Hmm. They just didn't cut it. And they got blown out of the water. They were actually uninstalled and then replaced with a fake version of themselves more often than not. Really? You would be surprised on how well these people can code a virus. They can wow. go in there and destroy. Uh, just to remind you guys, you're listening to Tech Talk here on 88.9 KUCI in Irvine. You're here with Ravind Kumar and Shane Burke. So what are we talking about? Internet and speed. So yeah, with the wireless spectrum, it's like a pipe. There's not a lot of space there. And when AT&T unleashed the iPhone, they just were not prepared. Yeah. Now it's a little better because I think they've done a lot more optimizing. Almost every single wireless company has gotten rid of unlimited data plans. Now you have a data cap. There's only so much you can use. If you go over it, they charge you. Yeah. Uh, Video, for instance. People don't realize how big a video can be. Um, Let's say a standard YouTube video is 10 megs, right? I know. For our website, um, I've built one. I made a video. Um if you haven't looked at it, it's about how to use prepared data objects on uh, a website to protect yourself from SQL injection. But basically, um, you know, I recorded this thing. It's it's a full screen image of my computer, and I tried to I imported it in iMovie, and then because I wanted to edit it a little bit, and then I tried to save it, and <laughs> I saved it as a DV file at first because I didn't know how to do the compression and it ended up being like I don't know a couple gigabytes it was it was giant yeah and then I eventually got it down because the site I use to um, actually upload it because I use a, a um, you know like a YouTube sort of site I use Vimeo um, because it allows you to upload HD video and you can you have a 500 megabyte cap which is kind of nice every week so that it kind of suits longer videos um, so Anyway, I did that, and I eventually found out how to do the compression with iMovie, but it's amazing how much space a video takes up. Yeah. It's really amazing. My, I, one of my teachers in high school was also a video production teacher, and we took a video production class with her, and I remember we had these, the Apple G5s or G4s or whatever. Was this in high school, you said? Yeah, high school. Well, there was a G4 and a G5. I think it was probably a G4 then. Our district was pretty stingy. Um weren't so stingy that they wouldn't get us a bunch of G4s, but they were kind of stingy because we ran out of space really quickly. Because mm-hmm. each movie, you know, each a 30-minute a, a movie took up like four or five gigs. Yeah. Without an issue. Easy. A 30-minute movie? Uh-huh. Oh, I think it takes up more than that. Well, we were doing like r- low-res stuff. Oh. Like we were using very basic video. When she did allow us to play with some of the HD stuff, I mean, 
we'd have to clear computer hard drives because they were just huge, huge. Yeah. We're talking about gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs. So with streaming over your iPhone or whatever your phone, your, your phone, it, quality versus the ability. Uh, if you, if, when the network doesn't have the ability, the quality suffers, obviously. It's like yeah. when you're watching YouTube and you have a slow internet connection, it looks like crap. So AT&T suffered significantly. Um, and they've they've worked on it, and I think their network has certainly gotten a little bit more robust. But then Verizon comes along with the Droid, and Verizon's basically saying, "Hey, guess what? Not only are we better than you, we're going to do the same thing you did, but do it better." They released the Droid. What does the Droid do? It does everything the iPhone does, but better. Um, it's got better video capabilities. Arguably, I think it's got better video capabilities. It can do more. It can access YouTube with much greater ease. Has a wider variety of access. And so far, it's been huge. I mean, it's taken a huge bite out of Apple's market share. And where Apple were, was for the past five five years or so, dominating. <clears throat> well, you bring up an interesting point, though, about the Droid and the iPhone. Because, I don't know, I've always I've been a huge Mac guy. And so I'm, I'm definitely biased. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, but the iPhone... Like, there's a big difference, I think, between the Droid and the iPhone because one is really beautiful and the other one isn't, but it does have a lot of functionality. And I think that's always been the difference between Apple and any other manufacturer, whether that be in the mobile phone market or whether that be in computers because they have beautiful UIs and they have, like, graphic artists that work for them. And, you know, everything just, like, it it looks amazing and, and so natural the way transitions work and the way things flow it's just an amazing ui and so um i think if anything is going to really help apple it's that you know who knows what the next version of the iphone will be it might have the ability to run multiple things simultaneously isn't that one of the limitations that it has yeah i think you so. can't have multiple apps on at once but you can with the droid yeah um so you know in the future those things might be fixed but in the meantime, uh, that's definitely attractive to, I think, a lot of consumers. And that's, you know, Apple has always been able to build really great consumer applications. So, yeah. but I'm looking but at... But they are, they're very narrowly in the lead, I think, if they are still. Um, I'm looking at a share of 2010 quarter two smartphone sales, just sales. Symbian actually has a full 40% of the share. Hmm. Uh, Apple's at 14%, Android's at 17%. So Android took, um, they. it looks like they got the lead a little bit. What's Symbian? What do they do? Symbian is the Nokia OS. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it looks like, uh, let's see, iPhone went from 3.3% to 11.4%, and then two point, er, 2009, uh, or no, these are unit sales, uh, 24.9 million units in 2009. So they were doing really well for themselves, but yeah. Point being, um, Rim ex- or not Rim, uh, Droid exploded. Mm-hmm. They got really big, and all of a sudden, Apple's market share is dwindling, mm-hmm. or not dwindling, but it's getting smaller. Rim is really losing out because they haven't had anything new since the BlackBerry. They had the BlackBerry Storm, which from what oh, I oh, you're talking about research in motion when you say Rim? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, research in motion. <laughs> um, their BlackBerry stuff, like they had the BlackBerry Storm. It wasn't very good, from what I remember. My dad had it, used it, and even with as little, as few things as he used for his phone, 
it was replaced within, I think, a month and a half. They already found him a new phone because I guess they had complaints about it. Hmm. Um, but it was a touch phone and no one liked it. And so they got rid of it. I remember using it with him and I didn't like it. It was really strange. Um, but what ended up happening now is we've got the Droid. And there's a bunch of new Droid phones that's beginning to move. The iPhone is supposed to come to the Verizon uh, network soon. Hopefully. We'll see. It should be really interesting if that happens to see whether the Verizon network can handle all that data that iPhone users use. Um, and if we briefly if we, if we put the entire show's topic into one quick uh, point there, uh, you can almost do anything on your on your mobile phone now. Yeah. No longer are people interested in mobile phones that just text, and it's not really about cameras anymore. I mean, my camera, I think it's almost standard for, except for the iPhone, for smartphones to have like a 5 megapixel something camera. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, what do you want to do on your phone? Well, do you want to watch HD video? You can do that, sort of. I think some of the droids do have some, like, not HD, HD, but they have some very high-quality video options. Um, uh, What applications do you want? Android has a... They started out kind of meh, but the Android marketplace has exploded. It's gotten much stronger. Um, And iPhone as well. I mean, both of them, as application... And uh, this is something very new. I don't think BlackBerry's caught up to this very well, is uh, user-driven applications. Let the users develop the applications, let the users decide how much they're to be sold for, and the marketplace will grow on its own. And, um, yeah, so the as the Internet has become more and more applicable, now I don't think, I, I think honestly within the next, not five years, I think within the next two years you can expect everyone to have access to the Internet mobile without mm-hmm. any issue at all. Yeah. I, I imagine by by 2012 or so, it should be very difficult for a person to say, oh, well, I didn't have internet access. And you're listening to 88.9 KUCI in Irvine. You are listening to Tech Talk uh, here on Monday mornings. My name is Ravind Kumar. And I'm Shane Burke. And we're talking about internet on your television during this segment. So let's talk about that, Kumar. All right. So um, internet on the TV is not... It's a relatively new concept. Uh, for those of you who are lucky enough or have managed to scrounge up enough cash for it, uh, you'd know that television companies like Samsung, LG, I think uh, Sony with their Vieira cast, you can plug your TV into the internet and you can get certain uh, a limited uh, scope of internet-based extras. I remember Samsung for a while was advertising like, oh, if you like football and you connect our, comp- our TV to the internet, our TV will give you football scores. Um, That's which, cool. Yeah, it is. That's really cool. And... I mean, for a while, that was as novel as it got. It's like, oh, well, if you connect to our internet-based service, then you can get, you know, additional information based on what you're watching and, you know, like little snippets of this, that, and the other. Um, uh, I know the Panasonic t- the Panasonic TVs that I've been looking into that I really like actually say, Panasonic's been saying, oh, well, you know, soon you'll be able to use actually Netflix on your TV and Hulu on your TV and this on your TV, all that other fun stuff. So they've been moving towards bringing ap- internet-based applications onto your TV for some time now. It's, it's been getting there. Um, and then Apple TV came out, I think. I don't know when Apple TV came out, but I think it's been at least a it's, year. No, it's been around for a very long time, but it, I believe, went dormant. It went away. And then they came out with a, re- a revitalized version of it. And the new one's got um, Netflix, um, like their video, or I'm sorry, their internet version so you can get um, movies directly on your TV. 
Um, it's got YouTube and, and stuff like that. So, But again, one of the things that kind of separates the Apple TV from something like the Google TV is there is that, still that kind of limitation about it's very structured in what is provided. Yeah. You know, it's still uh, kind of like the analogy to the phones. It's like the um, app and the droid and the iPhone. How how the, it's just much more available on the iPhone. You hear piano like an i iPhone app or an iPad app, but for your TV. I think that would be really really interesting. Well, that's that's pretty much what's just happened. Google TV. Uh, okay, so Apple TV is it, pretty much exactly as you said. They advertise, oh, you can stream stuff from iTunes, you can rent movies and TV right. shows. And it was the whole idea of, well, you know, you might not have a cable provider because, you know, here in Irvine you have Cox. Yeah. And if you don't like Cox, you're screwed. Well, you know, if you wanted to, technically you could go to Apple TV and say, well, why don't I just get the shows that I want to watch and ditch the rest of it? It's entirely a possibility. Um, I know at our place we don't have cable. Um, if anything, we're going to set up at some point a computer that just hooks up to Netflix and just goes from there. But Google has come out with their own stuff. They're calling it Google TV. Surprise, surprise. Um, and I do believe it's a direct competitor with Apple TV. Uh, yeah, very, very clearly. Um, and the cool, I mean, I, I'm such a fan of Google because I'm just kind of a data nerd. And what Google does is so amazing, how they return <laughs> results to you in milliseconds. Um, based on what you type and, and it, it, you know, you're searching so many records to find it. it I mean, it, Google's an amazing thing. Yeah, the instant search function is honestly incredible. Yeah, it is. Um, and so I think it's really exciting to see what Google's going to bring to TV. I think if they can do, I kind of said this earlier, what they did for the internet, if they can bring that to the TV... That's going to be amazing. It's going to open up so much content that you didn't even know about. Yeah. But it's personalized to you. Um, and they can base that based on, you know, how you surf the web, too. Um, I don't think it's any secret that Google is trying to create profiles of the people that use its websites. That's basically what any website does with cookies and things like that. But imagine what Google does. Google controls AdSense, so all the ads that are displayed on third-party websites – it controls, so you get a cookie from Google for that. You get a Google a uh, cookie from <laughs> from any web search that you do on Google, and that includes YouTube because Google now owns YouTube. They know so much about you; it's amazing. I just wish I could see all the stuff that they know. I would love to know what it is that they've got planned for this stuff. But like, this yeah. is huge. Um, I'm going to read the. Um Exact what what came off the Google blog. So this is the, exactly what Google's saying. Uh, Google TV uses search to give you an easy and fast way to navigate to television channels, websites. See, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's awesome that you don't have to type in. You don't have to memorize. Like say you're at a hotel and you don't know what channel um, CNN is. I'm a big CNN fan. And because, um, you know, the channels are different everywhere you go. You just type in CNN and it comes up. I think that's great. Yeah, um, it's a great first start. Because I know that with uh, whether I when I, I have to go when I go home, and when I come back here, we have two different cable providers, two different channel listings. 
recently there's been a lot of issues with the cable companies arguing with the cable providers. Uh, trying to, you know, Fox was like, oh, you know, we're not going to give you our stuff because we want to get paid more. And the cable providers were like, no, we just won't show you your stuff. We just won't show anyone your stuff. Uh, your ratings will collapse and it's not our problem. Yeah. I, I just heard about the uh, commercial about that on the radio. It with is Fox. just ridiculous how this is getting. ESPN threatened to pull their stuff. Uh, Fox threatened to pull their stuff. Everyone's clamoring for more money. And I, I think part of the reason is these they're like, oh, we're losing people. We're losing people. How are we losing people? I think it's because of this. I think it's because more people... I don't watch TV. Yeah. I watch all my TV shows on Hulu mm-hmm. and Netflix. I don't watch anything on the TV anymore. TV, why, do, why would I bother watching it on the TV, really? Even when we were at home, no one used the TV. It was an extra 40 bucks a month that we didn't need to pay. Um, all we ever watch are stuff online. I go home and I watch all my stuff online, or I use Netflix to get uh, you know, Lost Season 6. I, don't, I didn't watch Lost. I watched all six seasons of Lost on my computer. And, you know, so that is definitely a very interesting point because I don't know. See, it's difficult because we're both young. You know, we're not people in their 30s who didn't necessarily grow up with the Internet, right? So they may not feel the same way about having access to the Internet on, on your TV. Um, they not, may not feel comfortable going to Hulu to watch TV shows, yeah. right? But, you know, for me, like I just – I missed – I had a test – um, to study for, and a bunch of homework, and and I missed the Thirty Rock episode, um, the live Thirty Rock episode, and I really wanted to see it. But they have both the West Coast and the East Coast versions up on their website now, so I can go look at them. Yeah. Um. So, I think the way the internet, like a traditional website that you access with a computer, complements um, television, is very interesting, and how. Um, the reverse direction is occurring is also really interesting, too. I actually... And that's more the topic we're talking about right now. I can imagine if Google TV actually allows you to access the internet over your TV and websites can adapt to this, I imagine... Th- it's going to be like when CDs came out, what happened to audio, like to the 8-track. Or MP3s. Or MP3s. More MP3s or... Um, even now, uh, CD sales have been diving as MP3 online... Digital MP3 sales have been climbing. And I imagine what will happen with this is these cable providers are clamoring and clamoring. Well, people won't watch TV. People won't watch TV. It's only going to get worse for them now. Because yeah. now you don't even have to have a cable provider. What if you just have Google TV and do everything over the Internet and just have a basic cable package? Even worse, CNN, um, ABC, all these news cam- companies. What if you don't bother with the news companies? What if you just want to read the Huff Post all day long? Um, well, you know, that, again, that's a very interesting area, right? Because... Then you start getting into whether people are reading unbiased sources, and inevitably they don't because yeah. people search out what they want, what com- reconfirms what they already believe, right? Yeah. And that's what they choose to read. Mm-hmm. So if you're not presenting people with balanced information, as Google really doesn't, you know, Google provides you with what you want and what you search for. If you're not providing that counter view, that balance that you get on a regular broadcast news show, for example, you know, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Just in terms of what people know and how informed they are. But even, so, I mean, and then there's things that, I mean, I, I would hope that Google tries to bring some variety to these topics. But th- the way that I see a lot of this stuff taking off, like, it, it, it's what they say earlier, later on. Uh, if you already know the channel or program you want to watch, type in the name. If you want to watch a funny YouTube video, search it. Um, 
if you'd rather browse the web, then you can use a or browse rather than searching. Use a stand- so it, it looks like Google TV is built to work with, not overwrite. Uh, Sony TVs work standard with it. It seems there's a few new Sony TVs that are standard with Google OS. You can buy a top bo- set top box that does the same thing. Um, but generally speaking, internet on your TV. Um, I I do believe we are getting to that point where um, we talked about this before. I think we started recording. Um, a lot of the providers in general are looking into doing everything over the internet because mm-hmm. it's, e- it's a lot easier and cheaper and a much cheaper to run everything through a fiber line or what have you. Uh, there's even a movement to kill HDMI. As some of you may or may not know, HDMI is the newest in um, the newest not cable new, cable yeah. yeah. And it's, it's you got you buy the cable and that's how you get your 1080p uh, HD and audio all in one cable. And there's a movement to just do do the entire thing over RJ45 standard Ethernet cable, the one that plugs into your computer. And you know, I I know at the student center we already use Ethernet. We do all of our video over Ethernet. We don't bother with anything else because it's easy to use, it's cheap, and you can run tons of data and video over it yeah. at really high bandwidth. So. Um, I always say Ethernet. Do I pronounce it wrong? I don't think so. I think everyone, pro- like, I've heard Ethernet, I've heard Ethernet, I've heard... Okay. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if there's a pronunciation for that. I just assume that you just say it. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of used to... Well, I'm really ten- white, so maybe that's just it. <laughs> Ethernet, <laughs> Ethernet. I mean, technically, we should be calling it, what, a T, 10, or 10, no, 100 base, or no, 10 base T, 10 base something. I don't... Yeah, I think it's 10 base T. Yeah, 10 base T. <clears throat> Or, no, it'd be a hundred base T, wouldn't it? Ten base T is a uh, thick net. I don't know actually. So that was your daily dose of geek. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, actual naming conventions of cable. Um, like it, it, you, some people call it Ethernet. Other people call it RJ forty five. Some people think it's that weird blue squiggly thing that comes out of the back of their computer. Well, there you go. That's all you need to know, really. Yeah, huh? weird blue squiggly thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, with with Google TV, Apple TV, Google TV, Netflix. Netflix is already moving. You know, you can get Netflix over your uh, Xbox or your PS3 or your Wii. Hmm. And I think PS3 finally integrated it completely. You don't need to get the disc to stream anymore. Wow. Wait, you used to have to get there, there was a disc and it was free, but the disc basically like installed a program on your PS3 for you, or it was oh, something like that. I don't know exactly how it worked, but they got rid of that, so it's fully integrated now. Wow. So I I, I honestly foresee. Uh, if we continue to start moving stuff over the internet, rather than having to get your three-in-one package, you just get a, you get like the uh, bundle. You get a super bundle, and it's mm-hmm. one fiber line that comes into your house, and you get high-speed internet, hopefully fiber. I love what Verizon's doing with that, by the way. FiOS is amazing. I really wish I could get FiOS. I really want FiOS. Is it is it just amazing? Is it it's fast. really fast? It's fiber speed. They're, they're bringing fiber optics directly to your home, so it's incredibly fast. I want it so badly. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you, you just think about that, and it just—it's mouth-watering. Yeah. Uh, so fiber optic, you know, you you run your internet through that giant fiber pipe. You run your TV through that giant fiber pipe. You run your phone through that giant fiber pipe. Everything's blazing fast. Rather than having to have fifteen different hookups to do everything, it goes to one box. Mm-hmm. And that one box goes to everything else. So imagine rather than having a cable box, a modem, and then a data line. That's really nice. You just have one thing that comes out into like a converter. Mm-hmm. And you can take your audio out and run it to your TV. You can take your phone up and run it into your phone. And you can take your internet and run it to your modem, and you're done. I imagine that they're going to end up having these all-in-one solutions rather than having three or four different pieces of equipment. Which I think is, you know, that's what 
I'd really like to do is consolidate a lot of that just miscellaneous stuff that you've got, you know, that you have to have. So. Yeah, because I know at home, um, where we place our mo- where I place the modem at home is directly related to where the Cox guy um, installed his line. Yep. And there's lines that go around the home for DirecTV um, or, you know, cable generic cable provider A. But they want it to come from their own one so that, you know, they have a better, you know, they say, oh, we have a better signal if we do it ourselves. And so you, really, uh, they just want to make it a little bit harder on you if you ever wanted to change providers later. Um, but, yeah, I, I just foresee this, this massive shift, mm-hmm. huge shift, as we just stop looking to the normal. I, I think within, it's probably going to take another five years, maybe ten years. But... Um, I mean, we're already moving away. Analog died. Yeah. We moved to digital. Um, suddenly, all of a sudden, online content is becoming bigger than offline content. It, the internet is easier and easier and easier to get your hands on. You, no, you don't have to dial up. You're always connected. Technically, I think at some point, it's going to come where I'm hoping, with like Google TV, I'm hoping we're going to see people say, hey, why don't we just provide everything over the internet? Mm-hmm. And I imagine rather than being tied down to whose cable runs into your home, you can just get an internet pipe, and you get a big internet pipe, and then you choose your cable, you choose your TV provider based on you know which online service provides the best TV. I imagine something like that would open up an entirely inc- an incredible market, very complex market where rather than oh well I'm in a Cox area so now I have Cox, rather I can say well I have Cox internet now who do I want for TV? Ah, I see what you're saying. And then I can just pick and choose. Like, oh, well, I don't really watch sports. But this guy over here has, you know, Spike and, you know... Uh, Comedy Central. Comedy Central and all the other stuff that I do like a lot. You know, I think I'll take this bundle. And nice. I just do it all over the internet. That's really cool. I mean, and, I mean once again, this is going to bring into the whole idea of bandwidth limitations and security. God knows how they're going to figure this stuff out. Have you, like, have you ever had an experience sitting on these councils who try to figure out standards, like data standards? Um, so, not really. I mean, I don't. I don't really actually sit on any panels that decide things. Those are people that are way smarter than me. <laughs> well, have you had any experience like? With I the- read them. I read a lot of the specs. So I, you know, the biggest one is W three C, which is the World Wide Web Consortium. Um, and basically, they they tell you how you build a website, how you build. Like what structure the XHTML needs to have, or HTML, I should just say, um, depending on what doc type you want to use, and um, you know, there's a lot of standards with what you should do for CSS, and then there's div- kind of evolving best practices, and so that you kind of have to read a bunch of different blogs and stuff to kind of figure out about that. So that's really kind of where I'm in, but nothing related to TV at all or, or networks. But you're right; it's it's a very interesting. Um, area of what we're going to be seeing in the future and i'm really excited about it yeah i just i can't imagine how much like i compare you know elementary school where you don't the the internet was interesting and it was novel but you didn't have to use it for anything yeah um and now it's not that you have to use the internet for everything it's just more convenient because everything's there right and i think people are starting to catch up with this whole they call it web 2.0 i think People are just wising up to the fact that people are actually on the internet now, yeah. and they really like content. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like you said earlier with Google Learning. Um, if you can learn what a user likes, 
you know, I, I envision that, you know, if Verizon did start paying attention to who's using, who, what they're watching, someone's watching on their TV, they could throw suggestions at you now and then. You know, if you're just flipping channels, you know, a little pop-up, it looks like you're flipping channels. Are you bored? Perhaps you'd like this show based on this stuff that you watch for more than 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, which is just really amazing. I can't... I'm, I'm still kind of a computer geek at heart. I'm thinking about the algorithm behind having to figure something like that out. Oh, my it's God. It's really hard. I mean, like I said a little bit earlier that I'm working on my own little algorithm. Um, and it's very difficult. Like, how do you teach something to learn? How do you teach it to recognize a pattern? That's very, very difficult <laughs> to do. But as, as humans, we can do it very easily, right? And because I'm a neurobiology major and really interested in the brain and going to medical school, hopefully to treat people with brain problems, um, and I have this big programming background too, uh, it's a very interesting field, and it's definitely one that I think I'd like to explore in the future. All right. Let's, let's quickly go over what we talked about. Um, well, so we talked first about phones, and then we talked about TV and how the internet is really coming to them, and uh, really what some of the different, uh, I guess, advantages, disadvantages, challenges, and um, just interesting factoids about all of those different technologies. But we're going to continue looking into how, with this explosion of the internet, how people do stuff. So you know, data analysis, like how do people use data on the internet? We're hoping to talk about that soon. Um, Just more generally, like kind of what's interesting and, and hot in computer science research, hopefully. And we will also be looking into help, helping you guys with either at the beginning or end of every month into what's happened in general um, in the tech land, uh, that the technological universe, the digital universe, what's new, what's interesting, what's hot. Yeah. So stick Stick around. Uh, you're listening to Tech Talk at 88.9 KUCI in Irvine. My name is Ravind. And I'm Shane. Uh, the Blues Disease with Jeff Scott is next. Have a nice weekend. <laughs>